0: from Matthew 22 verses 1 through 14. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they had found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe and said to him, friend how did you get in here without a wedding robe and he was speechless then the king said to the attendants bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen the word of the lord i've never met
1: a preacher who likes to preach on this text or I should say, I've never met a preacher with any semblance of good theology that likes to preach on this text. Um, the ones who do like to preach on it, you've got to watch out for. I warned you that things were going to get ugly during these waning weeks of the church year with all these seemingly supersessionist parables of Matthew. Like last week... Jesus is still in the temple in Jerusalem, engaged in a little back and forth with the Pharisees and the other Jewish religious leaders. And they're trying to get Jesus to say something criminal or heretical, you know, something that they can charge him with. They want him to say something that they they can report to the Romans or something to get him arrested and shut him up but uh as much as they're trying to trick jesus jesus is responding to them with this series of these parables and these these parables are well the parable is telling them it's apparent that the point of all of them is that god is going to take away the covenant from israel because of how faithless they've been and give it to the gentiles and if that isn't problematic enough, God is gonna do it violently, very violently. And as much as no pastor with any good theology wants to preach on this problematic text, and I appreciate you trying to help me out, Michael, um, what, what I really do not want to preach on this particular text this Sunday after this heartbreaking, this gutting week of slaughter and retaliatory violence between Israel and Hamas. I mean, this certainly won't be the first time that I strive with hope and confidence in the mercy to to find an interpretation of the text that undoes the standard, common interpretation of it. But this week, this is especially my tasks. So let me just uh, put the old man in the chair first, before I kick it out from under him. Let's look at the problem. The problem's the king. The king is the problem here. The plain meaning of this parable is that it's another parable about the kingdom of heaven. And kingdom of heaven, Jesus tells this parable to these religious leaders. Well, like if you recall last week, what the parable was about that Jesus, or that the landowner sent his son out to check on his uh, vineyards and uh, the, all the landowners murdered them. Eventually it gets down to where the landowner, God, um, comes and murders all the, all the other people and takes, takes away the rights and gives it to someone else. And so the, it, says, it ends, last week's text, ends with the Pharisees saying, it says that the Pharisees, were beginning to realize he was talking about them. And Jesus, he can't help but, uh, you know, put his thumb in their eye a little bit. And just in case they weren't 100% sure that Jesus is talking about them, he tells them this parable today. He says that the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a, a king who gives a wedding banquet for his son, so, like we just read, he sends out his slaves, which is problematic, to invite all his guests and say, look, it's ready. The wedding banquet's ready. Bring all, he invited, come to the wedding. And uh, the guests who are invited, they don't want to go. They don't care. They laugh it off. They go back and they tell the king they didn't want to come. And he says, go ask him again. This time, they murder the messengers who are inviting them to, to this wedding. So now when the king hears about this, he orders his troops to go out and kill everyone who wouldn't come and burn down their cities. So this enraged king, he sends out his troops uh, to destroy and murder the murderers, I guess, and to burn the city. And then this blood-soaked king covered with the soot of burning cities and citizens, sends more servants out and says, go into the cities and just invite as many people as you can. Whoever you see, invite them to come in and share in this wedding banquet. They all come, surprised to be invited, probably never been into uh, the king's uh, palace before. And so... uh, the king comes in to take a look at all these replacement guests. You know, he, he, he's going around shaking hands, feeling really good about himself that he brought all these people in. But then he noticed that one of the guests has failed to put on a wedding tunic, a wedding robe. And that same rage that got this king enraged before starts to, starts to work on him again. He's saying to this man, who let you in here without that robe on? And this man says nothing now in the text the translation says that uh, he was unable to speak or whatever it is but really the a better translation is that um he did not respond or he chose not to respond and that that was it that really set the king off And he told his guards to bind this man hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We love that weeping and gnashing of teeth, don't we, folks? Yeah, here's the problem with the standard reading. It's pretty obvious, right? This text equates the king with God. And from there, it's just the foregone conclusion that God is a violent vindictive deity who will murder burn condemn to eternal suffering anyone who does not do what he wants them to do not obey his commands i mean let's just we can just say it here this is not a god we can believe in this is not a god we can believe in this is not our god and we are not the people of this violent vindictive god the king in the parable cannot be God. This standard reading cannot be correct. We see here, this king is not God. This king has more in common with, um, well, like, I guess kings, you know? Like sadistic, fascistic leaders, like uh, our former president, like, like Putin and so many other smaller, small despots. I mean, come on, the original guest won't come to his son's banquet, so he murders them all and burns their cities down, and then brings in a whole new batch of guests to love him and admire him? Doesn't that seem something more like a Trump or a Putin would do than, uh, yeah, the creator who speaks love and mercy and beauty into existence? So at the end of the parable about the kingdom of heaven, we're left with an image of the king's chosen guests slaughtered in the streets of their, and their cities on fire while the king stands over this terrified replacement guest who they've all just witnessed his, him command his soldiers to bind this man who stands there not responding to the vitriol of the king And he's thrown out into the outer darkness where he will suffer. Is it time to cut the cake yet? This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. How can there be bodies murdered on the streets of heaven? How can the cities of heaven be burned to the ground? Earlier in his gospel, Matthew writes that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, suffers violence, and the violent bear it away. And this is important that we understand this. Matthew's Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of God is not unaffected by violence. The kingdom of God does not have some uh, invisible barrier that you know, keeps out all the bad people and lets in only the good ones. No, the kingdom of God can suffer, can be hurt. God can be hurt by this violence. God can be hurt by the violence of God's own creation. This is where we find God in this parable. The one who stands Silent, not responding to the threatening king. The one who is bound hand and foot and thrown into the outer darkness. That is our God, the God of mercy. The God who does not respond to violence with violence, who does not retaliate when the kingdom of heaven suffers violence when the kingdom of heaven appears to be swept away and the retaliatory violence is all that seems to be left. In the same way that this guest stands silent before this king in the parable, we see later Jesus standing silent before Pilate, who condemns him to suffering and to death with all the power of the Roman Empire. God does not respond to violence with violence, but responds with reconciliation, mercy, redemption. God restores the kingdom of heaven, repairs the kingdom of God for all of of God's people. And in doing so makes it possible for us to respond likewise with love. God has given people the power to act with a powerful mercy, to have the strength not to respond to violence with violence, but to respond with love and to repair the suffering that our violence have created. That body, bound, beaten, bloodied, out, In that darkness is beginning to stir. I invite you all to join me at this banquet.